All right, one, two, three, four. Welcome everybody to the Life Point Table Talk podcast. Today we are continuing with our Bible reading reflection. My name is Jason. I'm here with Brother Tyler. Hello. And today we are checking in here on week eight of our reading. I hope you guys are following along. And if you're not, check it out anyway. Yeah, ne- never too late. Never too late. Yeah, jump jump in. on in. Jump in. Water's warm. The water is warm. <laughs> today, we're coming in hot. Mm. Numbers 1 through 15, and we got Mark 3 through 6, 32. Not the whole thing, just 32. Uh, so, let's go ahead and get in here. Tyler, why don't you give us... A little intro to numbers, the numbers. Yes, numbers. Uh, one of the cool things about the week eight here is the fact that it starts right at numbers one. So that was a really cool break starting the brand new week because the whole five books of Moses that they call the Pentateuch, it's just one continuous story. Like yeah. Exodus ends, it's Leviticus, it just flows straight through. Leviticus ends, it flows straight through to Numbers, and it's just really cool when you look at it that way. And and as far as that narrative goes, it actually has a lot to do with the, the naming of the book. We call it Numbers because it starts off with a bunch of numbers, you know, numbering all the tribes and mm. preparing for, you know, potential future battles and the way they're going to travel and the way they camp and all that stuff. But... Uh, the actual Hebrew name for the book is In the Wilderness. Oh, wow. And that's what Numbers is. It's, you know, I forget how many total chapters, but it's a story of their journey from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land and all the stuff and chaos that ensues in between. Right. And uh, who gets to go, who doesn't get to go, and it's just an awesome, amazing story. And it's just a great book. I'm, I'm just loving Numbers. Yeah, and it really... It, uh, when I was reading it, it felt like the there was not much of a break. It, the story just continues on. Felt like the same book as Leviticus, really. Yeah. When it when yeah. it starts out there, there's so. all the all that priestly stuff and all the sacrifices. And yeah. Now that that's set up, we have the tabernacle. Let's go. Yeah. Right. So uh, we start off in Numbers one. We're talking about numbers, and like Tyler said, they are counting all the the uh, tribes and clans um so it's all the males 20 and above i believe and those able to go to war are the people they're numbering so there's obviously more than that yeah in the camp yeah they if they think i think it ends up 600 some thousand is the total number 600,000 uh 550 or 603,000, sorry. Yeah, and, and I think that most of the uh, like the biblical egghead scholars, when you count the others as well, it's like mm-hmm. 2 million people. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, I, 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 I think growing up, I I think in my head, I was picturing like a couple hundred people, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if that. And I, there's, there's some debate about the numbers and what the Hebrew means and all that good stuff, but regardless, that's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Which makes sense because... Back when they were in Egypt, Pharaoh was starting to freak out. He's like, man, this is yeah, this is a lot true. of folks. Yeah. And also when you think about uh, some of the descriptions of things they have to do with the 
tabernacle and moving and all that. It took a lot of people uh, to do it. this. Oh my gosh, you know? yeah. And so um, the first chapter there is is counting them all. Uh, the Levites are exempt. They just work in the tabernacle. Yeah, and, correct? and I saw something I never really noticed before, which was really cool. Uh, it's in verse 51 of Numbers. It says, The tabernacle set out, when it set out, the Levites shall take it down. And when it, the tabernacle is to be pitched, the Levites shall set it up. And any outsider who comes near, they'll put to death. Right. So I saw, the pri- get near it. I saw the priesthood, though, in a different way. Like, as a kid growing up, I just, you know, I just thought them of them as like those priestly dudes that doing their priestly duties. Yeah. But this is like, you know, the John Wick Assassin's Creed Levites that like... <laughs> they're like guards. They're like right? guards. Yeah. Like, it's holy. Mm-hmm. If you you can't come near it, and if you do, they're going to take care of you, which is what they did in Exodus at the Golden Calf incident. It was the Levites that, that right. stood up That's and right. killed 3,000 people. Wow. So, yeah, I saw that a whole different light there in Numbers yeah. 1. Don't mess with the Levites. Mm-mm. Um... In two, uh, chapter two, there it gets into the arrangement of the camp. Uh, the tents are sort of, or, or the the clans and tribes are organized around uh, the tent of meetings or the tabernacle, uh, whichever way you want to say. It. I thought it was cool how it was talking about. It's it, like the hierarchy of these places that they called them clans sometimes. And when I was reading, which yeah, was cool. Big time. And the they had their own banners and stuff. Yeah, ensigns like, and banners. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really cool. And I and was cool too. Once again, just the scope of this epic scope of this. Yeah, it's huge. People like the tabernacle and the Levites. The, the all that stuff was in the center. Right. Both when they camped and both when they went on the move. So it was like concentric circles. Mm-hmm. Like that was in the center, and you could just visualize out in the middle of nowhere this massive amount of people. With this yeah. holy place in the center where God resides, like that's pretty intense. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, let's see, three again. It mentions these guys who brought the wrong incense. Mm. Um, they keep. I feel like they've come up before. Keep yeah, <laughs> talking about them. <clears throat> they, no, there. It's a huge example of the what not to do. Yeah, how you approach God and, and His holiness. Yeah, and in the talks also, the Levites are directly under Aaron and his family. Um, they're consecrated to be used in the tabernacle, and there's thousands of them. Yeah, of just the Levites. I mean, just these. This one clan, you know, they start giving the numbers there. You're like, what in the world? Yeah. It's like huge. Um, and as we keep going for there, there's a lot of directions on even how to pack it up, <laughs> like packing directions on the tabernacle. And yeah. It's you don't, you don't mess around with it. Yeah, it's, it's the amazing. holy stuff. It's like leather. It's like, I would love to have seen the, what it looked like and special cloth for it. And yeah. Uh, and the colors mattered. Like yeah. the like certain things were wrapped in blue, like the ark, mm-hmm. the covenant was was in blue. Other things like the altar uh, was in purple. Yeah. So it's very royal colors. Yeah. And that really signified it. And once again, when they're on the march, and that's in the center of their camp, I mean, you'd look and you'd see those blue items, mm-hmm. and you'd know that was, you know, the holy stuff, and only they could carry it. 
Right. Only they were allowed to do that and touch it. And yeah. Some of them, might have, I think, couldn't even come in and look at it until it was covered. Yeah. You know, it's, it was yeah. all very important stuff as, as far as God's holiness went. Yeah, and it, 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 like you were saying, it was concentric circles. Even once that you got into the tabernacle, it got more and more yeah. serious the further in you went. Totally. eventually only like one guy could go in. Or just, yeah, you know. and even the tribes that they in their encampment when they were stationary when they were on the move that was all intentional too like judah is right there on the east and mm-hmm. they were the first to go uh, outside of them and so it was all very much intentional right and i could just imagine that scene too like can you imagine them marching two million people with the tabernacle stuff wow. in the middle it's just like Wild. i want to see that movie <laughs> yes someone make that movie please <laughs> yeah and the the cloud and the fire the whole deal yeah um, all right, let's keep moving. Uh, they get into, again, more of these um, sort of kind of Levitical laws and things mm-hmm. again. There's yep. there's a really wild one. Uh, well, first they, they talk about sin again, and it's interesting. There's, there's a part there that says you confess, you make restitution, and you have to add a fifth to it. Yeah, 20%. There's one of those. And then there's a really... A, a kind of disturbing one with the woman who's unfaithful. <clears throat> yeah, to see if she's unfaithful. Yeah, it's yeah. really strange. And she drinks this bitter poison water. Yeah. Um, I don't even know how to process that, yeah. to be honest. Well, and it's so unfaithfulness that's at the, the core of the issue. And I read a commentator, I forget his name, I think it's Wenham, but he said that it was very much likened to when Moses ground up the golden calf yeah. and made them drink it, mm-hmm. like that same sort of bitterness to, to prove the unfaithfulness. Right. But somehow it was supposed to induce like a... Like a miscarriage. Yeah, a miscarriage. Or, and, if, and if that happened, then that was obviously, you know, her condemnation. And if it didn't, yeah. then she was innocent. It's hard for us yeah. in 2022 to wrap our minds around that sort yeah. of thing. Because one of those times where it's good to remind yourself that this is thousands of years ago. Yeah. Ancient culture, ancient practices, uh, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, holiness was super important. Right. And it's, they're just constantly reminding us, looking back to Leviticus and saying, look, this is a holy God. He can only be approached certain ways. And these are some of the ways that are a no-go. Yeah. Um, and as it keeps going here, I, I, this is one of my favorite, the Nazarite vows. Yeah. Really, really interesting. Um, I don't totally understand what the what that meant to do that vow. I just know it. So, some of the things they couldn't do, it says. They couldn't drink strong drink or anything from the grapevine. They couldn't cut their hair. Yeah. They couldn't be near a dead body. Yeah, anything unclean. Um, so was that was that like a vow to help at the tabernacle? Exactly. Or? Okay. So the, they were like the monks and the nuns oh. of ancient Israel. And you could like sign up for it? Yeah. Like a regular so, person? So only Levites could do the priestly duties. Mm-hmm. So you had to be a Levite. So, I mean, you couldn't just, that was a done deal. But you could do something like the Nazarite vow and do some of that stuff as like a lay person where you were still part of the ministry there. Wow. Just not what those exact priestly duties, but that's, and that's why it was temporary. Yeah. And, and they were pretty hardcore things. I mean, you, 
and there, there was lots of famous Nazarites. John the Baptist, John the Baptist was uh-huh. thought to be a Nazarite. Sam- Samson, Samson, yeah, yeah Samson, yeah. which is. I can't wait to get there. Cut, what a wild hair. story. That was he, part of it. Because Samson was not really like a good dude. <laughs> He's kind of breaking all the vows. Huh? Yeah. Um, and there in 6, one of uh, the most famous passages, one of my favorites of all. I'll just read it here. It's the blessing. Ah, the best. Uh, God tells Aaron and his sons, this is how you bless the Israelites. Uh, it says, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord... Make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Um, that's so good. I mean, that's... I don't, I don't know what it is about that, but it just... That gets me... Uh, that resonates deeply. Oh, that's powerful. You know, the uh, his face shine upon you and you know peace toward it's like what we want it's like what we want as humans like, yeah you know what i mean oh it became and it became a centerpiece of the israelite faith it's a uh, you see it on psalm 121 it says the lord will keep you from all evil he will keep your life the lord will keep you going out and you're coming in and psalm 67 says may god be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us yeah it was just part of their identity which right. is that shalom yeah. It's that shalom, total person, wholeness, health, prosperity, peace, the whole package. That's yeah. what it meant to be identified with this God. And blessed. Yeah, blessed. blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, let's see here. Seven, and then we go right into... Uh, oh, man, seven's one of those struggle bucket passages in Scripture. It's like 89 verses. The, it's offerings... It's it's exact same offering twelve times. Yeah, (laughs) word for word. Yeah, so it's easy to gloss. I might have glossed a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, Um, it's important because it does it does seem to repeat it. It's each person, and then he brought this, just like the other guy. But you know what's cool though? It does show you the just the volume of what they had to carry. Yeah, and the weight, and I mean they. It was a big deal, and it's cool because this, all that stuff they were bringing was used specifically by the Levites in the tabernacle. Yeah, oh, very important stuff. Which is, if we're ready to go to eight, which is one of the coolest things. Uh, what one last thing in seven? The the one part I didn't gloss over. It says at the end there, the Lord speaks to Moses from between the two cherubim on the ark. Mm, yeah, <laughs> like what? So good. It's <laughs> wild. Between these two angel wings, yeah, he talks to him. Well, well, the tabernacle is always likening back to the Garden of Eden, mm. where God dwelled with them and was in their presence and walked with them and talked with them. And then, of course, when they were expelled, their two cherubim were put there. Yeah, so that was part of the whole concept there at the mercy seat on the ark was those cherubim from the oh, garden. Wow. And so it's cool. That represents where God dwells with his people, like the very center, epicenter there at the garden. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Cool. Uh, Then we get into eight. Um, It talks about the Levites being set apart, some ritual cleansing for them as well. Mm -hmm. And that was a big deal too, the set apart thing, because all of Israel were supposed to be considered the firstborn. Hmm. They were all supposed to be the, the children of God in that sense. But the golden calf incident, mm. it changed all that. 
Really? So then it became the Levites. So yeah. they were the ones that were, were redeemed as the firstborn instead and, of all of Israel, which goes back to chapter 3 as well. Yeah, and it, I put this in my notes because Aaron and his sons and his family are, are still super involved. I just, that, that struck me as like, how did this guy get yeah. the grace? Well, he I mean, he, he repented, was, I guess. He, he was right there in the thick of all that craziness. Oh, he, was, you know? he made the cow. He made it. <laughs> and then lied about <laughs> how he did it, too. And then he still ends up running yeah. the tabernacle, pretty yeah. much. So it's like... It's a huge role. Yeah. It's huge. And later, in, I think later numbers, he, the Lord speaks to Aaron, too. Well, yeah. yeah. But what I saw in A is just like, if you like the sci-fi side of things you know mm-hmm. is the whole the lampstand there in the tabernacle yeah it's just amazing because it kind of resembles it kind of evokes the imagery of the tree of life oh yeah big time but yeah. the way that it's set up it says it's it's like a light show it's like this golden light show it's meant to illuminate the showbread on the table because but everything in there the the show table the where the bread set the walls everything is coated in gold gold oh wow so it says that it specifically is supposed to face that bread but the walls the table everything's plated in gold so it's like this you can't not see this bread and this is 12 loaves the 12 tribes of israel it's we just read it the blessing make his face shine upon you Mm. it's that whole imagery of like it's just this fullness of god's presence just illuminating it's i don't know it's so 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 you think it was bright in there then Oh, big time. Okay. In they, my mind, I always pictured it kind of dark in the, in the not in, or whatever. Well, that's not the center center. Okay. That's it, That's right before, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, no, but that part is like, it's like a light show in there. Wow. You could light this lampstand. Everything's plated in gold. So it makes me think of that scene from Indiana Jones where he's got to put the the staff exactly perfectly so it lights oh, exactly yeah, yeah. where the thing is right. in the map room. Yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. Awesome. Um, we keep going here. Nine. Uh, we're celebrating Passover. Um, again, he's talking about a cloud in the day and a fire by night. Yeah, it's the. Uh, I was to think it's like their. It's their ways. It's their mm. Apple Maps. Their GPS. You know? Yeah, they would leave when the cloud lifted. Yeah. Sometimes it's days. Sometimes it's like one night or whatever. And how powerful too! It's like it's been more or less a year. It's yeah. The second Passover. Yeah. Um, in 10, they talk about that he has them make trumpets, silver trumpets. And it talks about specifically there's like, uh, calls, like yeah. two trumpet blasts yeah. just for everybody. Just one is for the heads of the family. Just the leaders, yeah. Uh, they use it to go into battle. Um, they use it in the day of rejoicing over yeah, the They use it in their celebrations, the, yeah, the, the day sacrifice. of atonement. And, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting when, when they set out, Moses always says, rise up, Lord, may your enemies be scattered. May your foes flee before you. And when it came to rest, he'd say, return Lord to the countless thousands of Israel. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, once again, that whole thing of that giant group of people on the march with those trumpets blasting, it's just epic. Yeah, totally. And then there's a whole thing, too. It's a, it's a huge rabbit hole. We won't go down, but Hobab. 
I don't remember. Yeah, at the very name. end, it talks about it's. It could be his brother-in-law, or it could be a different name for oh, Jeth- yeah. Jethro. Yeah, it's uh, it's Jethro's son. Jethro's son, but some people think that it's like another name for Jethro. I think. Okay. Or, I don't know. Like I said, it's a rabbit hole. Right. Um, but I love it because it seems intentional to me that they bring that back because Jethro is the one who really helped Moses yeah. with his delegation, with dealing with issues and drama, and that's what chapter 11 is. Yeah, like, yeah, that's true. So it's like a, it seems like a logical, as a narrator, it seems like a logical segue. Yeah. Kind of reminds you about this Jethro dude. Yeah. And that family because here we go. Wow. Here we go again. Yeah. So, so, so it seemed like we were doing pretty good, yeah. and uh, we get to eleven, and and things take a take a turn uh, for the worse. So the people start complaining about their hardships. Um, God gets really mad. Mm. Uh, he starts a fire on the edge of the camp. Um, starts, I guess, burning. Uh, people are dying. Um. And this this is so fascinating. The people are crying to Moses, and Moses prays to God, and God stops it. Yeah. Well, Uh, at one point, Moses says, kill me. Yes. Yeah, he's done that before, too. Yeah. Like, this guy is pretty incredible. But it's always in the sense of his mediation as a mediator, you know? Yeah. But it's amazing because they're complaining. It's the whole Egypt was better thing. And I love it, too. It mentions specifically that the rabble— the rabble spoke Somewhere up. from Egypt, right? And I think what they are talking about when they mention the rabble amongst them is is the people that came with them, mm. the non-Israelites that left with them, yeah. that kind of repented or saw that that Yahweh was the true, most high living God yeah. through those signs and those wonders, and they went with them. And it seems like they're the ones that kind of started. Yeah, and they're this probably ruckus, probably even extra. Uh, displaced like, they miss yeah. their home like hey remember all that good stuff right. you know and they're already forgotten about the slavery and the yeah making bricks and taking their straw away and yeah and it, it, these are like obviously you know amazing examples for, <laughs> for life uh, yeah life examples here the people were weeping and complaining and it says Moses saw it as evil um, and God was mad there's this complaining thing uh, that's actually pretty serious. It is. And it's also unbelief and lack of faith. Yes, yes. And him providing. Yeah. So the quail storm happens. <laughs> yes. And uh, and God says he'll give them enough till what, it comes out of their nose? Yeah, out of their nostrils. Yeah. Amazing. And but Moses... It, it, um, at the same time, we were just talking about how he was ready to uh, die die for these people. You know, he's talking to God, and he's like, you know, why did you give me these people? Yeah, your people. <laughs> your people. No, they're your people. Now it's back to God. Yeah, yeah. He calls them babies. Why do I have to take care of these babies? And actually, then he maybe this is just a saying, right, then? And he says, if this is the way it's going to be, then just kill me. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. 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 Uh, so then then he gets some more leaders uh, to try to help him out. Uh, Moses, yeah, the, 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 the quail come, and then a plague comes as well. So they, uh, 
God was not happy. And then um, we get to 12, and it's... and and uh, it's More conflict. And more drama. conflict. Now it's Miriam and Aaron are complaining about Moses's Cushite wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and this... And he, and he's ch- challenging Moses's leadership too. Really, he's saying, "Hasn't God also spoke through us?" Um, and this is a passage where it says Moses is more humble than any man on the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, and I love it. Uh, God's like asking them, "Why aren't you afraid of him? <laughs> like, don't don't you know that I'm with him?" Yeah. You know. No, he he calls out. He says he. Tells them Moses is my real deal prophet. Yeah, I I speak to others in dreams and visions, but to him, it's the clear revelation. He's yeah. my man. It's like he comes to his defense. Yeah, and uh, Miriam uh, eventually gets uh, leprous skin, has to be quarantined. Um, and that's the end of that part. And then, we, then we get into Moses sending uh, people to check out Canaan. Yeah, it's one of the most important parts of the overarching narrative of the history of Israel. This section, right? This, here. It's like a linchpin moment, yeah. like big time. Yeah, and so this is the land that flows with milk and honey, and they go in and they bring fruit back. Yeah, um, and. They say it's fortified city with large uh, walls and powerful people. Um, and then, of course, uh, Caleb silences them. He speaks up and says, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can definitely do it. Um, which is a, a pretty incredible faith from uh Mr. Caleb there. Yeah. Well, I think it's really seen in 13. You're seeing faith versus unbelief. Yeah. Yeah. And two um, different responses. And it's big because this is all, this is the original covenant promise. This is the whole promise personified. Yeah. That God made originally from Abraham on that it was his intention and his desire and his plan for them to do this. And that's why it's become such a linchpin moment. Like, yeah. I mean, it's a big deal because to not do it, is to completely just say, you know, you don't believe in that covenant promise. Right. And again, the the bad report spreads everywhere. Um, they, they're they saying there's Nephilim there. Uh, they're stronger than us. We're like mm. grasshoppers. And the people then, when we get to 14, are complaining, again, saying, we wish we died in Egypt or we could go back to Egypt. Um, Joshua and Caleb are sort of yelling back at them to not be afraid. And the people literally want to stone them Mm -hmm. at one point. Um, They're so upset about this. Um, And then it gets into this part where God has kind of had it. Yeah, and he comes comes to their defense, right? uh, Moses? Yes. Uh, God says... Uh, how long will they treat me with contempt? Mm-hmm. So he's seeing this complaining and fear and unbelief as contempt, literal contempt towards him. Yep. You know, um, and and it's interesting too. He says, despite all the uh, signs I've shown them, and there's there's an interesting kind of responsibility for what they've seen 
yeah. so clearly in front of them, and they're still they're acting still, they're, a certain still way. their unbelief, yeah. yeah. And it's, he once again proposes the smackdown. Wipe him out. Yeah. Start over again with Moses. And once again, you see it's unbelievable. You see Moses the mediator. Yeah. And he reminds God of his covenant promises. He's literally quoting Exodus 34. In 18, he says, the Lord is slow to anger. He reminds him, Lord, you're slow to anger. <laughs> An abundant and loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression. By no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children of the third and the fourth generations. He reminds God. Yeah. Reminds wild. him. Yeah, yeah. He's like, that's part of his mediator role. Like, That's amazing. He's like, remember, these, these are your covenant people. You promised. Yeah. That's amazing. We've got to continue. <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, so he spares Joshua and Caleb, uh, the guys who brought a bad report. It says they're stuck, struck with a plague. And God says, uh, 40 years, you'll be in the wilderness and your children will inherit it, but Mm -hmm. you won't. You know, what's fascinating is he actually gives them exactly what they asked for. Yeah. Earlier, he forgives them. But he gives them what they want, which is a trip back to the Red Sea towards Egypt to die in the wilderness. Yeah. That was almost their exact words. Yeah, they kind of sp- spoke this into existence. Yeah, which, you, which is another really, you know, good kind of principle, biblical yeah. principle to watch what you confess and speak into existence. Absolutely. And so we we keep going here, and it's so crazy, these, these knuckleheads here. So God says, go into Canaan, and they say no. And he says, okay, now you're going to have to go in the wilderness. And then they get presumptuous. To go fight without him. No, we're going to go do it now. Yeah. Like, which is so strange. Like, total 180, they were just ready to stone somebody over this. And uh, Moses tells them not to, but they go anyway, and they get beat. Yeah, they um, get chased. Yeah, they get chased. For a while, and yeah. You know what's crazy, too, because it, it goes into the 15, which is our last um, chapter that we're doing this week. But I saw this, too. It's after each failure of Israel, it seems like that's when more laws are added. Mm, or it, it, at the very least, a reminder, which is exactly what Paul said in Galatians 3. He said, why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until wow. the offspring would come to whom the promise had been made. That's fascinating. And it was ordained through angels by a mediator. Yeah, so it's like, it almost seems like every time they do this, God's got a, just a little, these little reset buttons. Like, yeah. all right, he's here gotta, we go. He's got to kind of ring them in. Ring them in. It's yeah. like a parent, you know, yeah, with kids. Really. Yeah, like a correction. They and, lost some privileges. <laughs> yeah. And so in 15, he's going to remind them of these sacrifi- sacrifices and these, you know, the, the stuff that was established in Leviticus, but I think, and then a couple things are added. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think that's pretty good for the, that part numbers. Is there any more in there? Yeah. It's just the only thing that's added is the, there's a libation offering, mm. which is because they, they went into Canaan and they, the promised land, they brought back like grapes. Oh yeah. So like that was, one of the things that was added ah. was that they poured it was a pouring out <laughs> this is awful but it made me think of like like rap culture oh, yeah. like pouring out for my homies <laughs> yeah that's where it started yeah right there here. you go right here okay so that was our we went quite a while on our 
our Old Testament. We'll we'll jump in. Let's jump. Let's do it all in one here. So sure. we'll, we'll jump over to our New Testament reading, and we're starting in uh, Mark. We just started, I think, last week in Mark, and we're at now at Mark uh, three. Mm. And let's see where are we jumping in here. Again, Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. Uh, this sort of consistent problem uh, comes up in all the Gospels. Um, yeah, what's the Sabbath made for? Yeah. And they plot to kill him. Um, and, and This is interesting, too. When he runs into people who are possessed with demon spirits, they're always know who he is yeah ahead of time like what's up with that i see this mark early on especially it's like it's like the battle of two kingdoms yeah it's like a showdown but it's really uh, like i I don't understand like they know who he is yeah and it's like mark really he really emphasizes too like they know who he is but the humans don't yeah you know they're clueless but they seem to know yeah and uh, so there in three, he appoints the 12 disciples. He sends them out to preach uh, the gospel, and he empowers them there. Um, another amazing uh, section here, Jesus goes back to his hometown. Um, or wait, is this that part? No, no. we're not there. No, 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 Sorry. But it does say his his family That's says he's end. out of his mind. Yeah, at this part, and they try to take hold of him. That is in three, um, and that's a part where they're talking about. Uh, he's he casting out demons right. by the prince of demons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beelzebub, and he's talking about the kingdom divided against itself won't stand. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite passages there, he's talking about uh, the, the strong man, yeah. tying up the strong man and uh, going into his house to uh, plunder it. And it, it doesn't give, it's it's also interesting, the differences in the Gospels. This one doesn't give a lot of the same details there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other ones say a little more about it where I, I just saw it uh, a while ago that the plunder is us that he's talking about there. He's talking about tying up the the God of this world, actually, and coming to to get us out, actually. Um, he talks about the uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, mm. assigning evil to good, basically, yeah. to, to the Holy Spirit. Which is like a big deal for... That's like a passage that's bothered people forever, because yeah. especially ones that are sensitive... Unpardonable. Yeah, like, is that me, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I, I think it was Keith Moore I heard one time a minister. I think he said that if you're worried that that's you, it's not you. Yeah. <laughs> like if it's a worry or a concern, then it's obviously not you. And really, what they're saying is that that blasphemy is you're likening his ministry to the satanic. Mm. Like you're you're literally calling him. You're calling the Holy Spirit Satan. Yeah. When you do that. Yeah, it's kind of built into it that the. Um the unforgiveness because it's the the way it yeah. is. Like it is so over the top. You are like that's that's 
that's that's extra. Yeah, that's extreme. You are taking what's the ministry of Jesus. But and I can saying see the satanic. the way it's written. It seems like something you could accidentally do. Yeah, if you <laughs> don't understand the context there, and then you're just stuck. Totally. You know. Yeah, but he's just now said that he's been accused of casting out demons by the prince of demons, mm-hmm. and so that's it's all in context together there. Mm. That's why that's a a blasphemy. Yeah, and the and the end there again. This is this uh, uh, such an amazing passage where his his mom and his brother show up, and he says, "Who is my brother and who's who is my mother?" Mm. Um, these are my mothers and brothers and sisters. The uh, whoever does the will of God is my brother, and my mother and my sister, and um, it's just like such a. He's so turning everything on its head here, even even in you know back then it was huge, but now with all of our uh, intense culture wars and identity politics and all these things. Um, family ties clans you know all mm-hmm. that stuff he just he's just sort of like you know even down to his own mom saying you know that's not my identity he's so you know uh, uh connected to the father yeah that he's that's redefining really, what family is really what's what uh the tie that binds you know yeah amazing um let's see we get into four here uh a famous parable, the sower's parable. Mm. Uh, sow seed. Um, let's see. You want to go through these here? Yeah, this is one of my favorites. And there, there's one thing, too, I think that we could just briefly pause on that uh, I think is another one of those passages that's kind of people struggle with. Uh, let's see here. It's Mark 4. It's classic. Let's see. That the um, <clears throat> he says in that, that parable, yeah, it's the parables. Period. That um, everything comes in parables in order that they may indeed look, but not perceive, and mm. may indeed listen, but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. Yeah, four twelve there. I think. Yeah, and that's like really intense. And if you don't understand that context there, it doesn't make any sense. But he's he's actually quoting straight up Isaiah 6 uh, where the prophet is called to proclaim God's message to ancient Israel and where he is told by God that though his message of warning will not be heeded he is to give it anyway oh wow so he's got to do this yeah and even when the response is negative it's not going to deter him yeah because some people just are not going to respond a free will thing wow and so when i saw from that light it really helped me because uh that's a that's a tough one to wrap your head around because it sounds like you know he's purposely saying things that people won't understand (laughs) right it's not at all it's it's meant to um it's meant to uh challenge you and make the hearer respond in repentance or rejection yeah right yeah trying to evoke a response yeah which is what this opening parable is all about yeah, right. And so I'll just go through this. These so the, there's some seeds fell by the road, and the birds ate it. Then some by the rocks. There's no soil; it springs up quick, and the sun withers it. Then there's some by the thorns that choke it. And then there's good soil that produces crop thirty, sixty, a hundred times. Mm. Um, 
And then when they keep going down there, uh, they ask him to explain it. And he's saying the seed is the word. And um, the first one is Satan stealing it. Um, the second one is no roots. They receive with joy, but trouble of the world comes and kills it. Uh, the worry of wealth and desire of things. Um, let's see here. And, he, and then there's that amazing part where he's talking about the measure uh, you use given to you. Those who have more is given. Those who don't lose it all. Yeah. Goes right into that. Um, pretty pretty amazing uh, example, though, of the importance of of the word yeah in this whole situation of of that process which which still i think resonates the most and it makes the most sense of of hearing the word uh why it's so important to to hear it often receive it and uh cultivate it in our lives Mm -hmm. to grow in all of the uh uh the sort of uh uh, uh, trouble that can take it away or our cares or, yeah. you know, all these kinds of things. Uh, and I see it too in, in our call to actually distribute the seed too, still mm. to preach. And that yeah. the way they did that, uh, the casting the seed is actually, the practice was called broadcasting. Oh, so wow. they called it broadcast seed. So, yeah. you know, you're broadcasting the gospel. Yeah. And the way you respond is important. It's really kind of a parable of two soils. Mm. Yeah, one that produces, and the others. There's one that produces, and yeah. three that don't. Yeah, and it's amazing. Uh, I mean, just growing up in church and being in church for all these years, I, I've seen all of these. <laughs> yeah. Know? Oh, to this day, it's yeah. Big you time. see it happen all the time. So yeah, and I, for me, it's that third one is a, is a, it's a daily struggle. The, sure. The cares of the world and worries yeah. and all that stuff, and it segues to the rest of four beautifully with the seed motif mm-hmm. just talking about the uh uh what's the first seed there it's before the mustard seed mm. what are you talking about parable the growing seed he talks about the kingdom of god Kingdom of God is if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow, he does not know how. That it's just, it's, it is growing. You know, mm-hmm. there is supernatural growth behind it, which goes into the mustard seed right there. Right. Yeah. And it, and it keeps going. Um, and it ends there. They're on the uh, trip uh, across the sea. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is like a, a famous one. And a storm comes up, and Jesus is asleep. And they say, Master, don't you care? Love it. Why don't you care about us? And uh, Jesus gets up and rebukes the wind and says, Be still to the waves. And he says, Why are you afraid? Um, it's a, an incredible story. I, I've probably heard many a message mm-hmm. <laughs> sermons just on that yeah. one short passage there um we'll keep moving along here okay so five uh he they land on the shore and they run into a possessed man who lived in the <clears throat> tombs 
and they've been trying to chain this guy up. He's been breaking out. That's nuts. Some kind of superpowers or something. Yeah. It says he cries out night and day, cutting himself, living in the tombs. Um, again, they recognize who Jesus is. Um, ask him if he's there to torture them, which is strange. Yeah, it says their name is Legion, which denotes like th- thousands. Wild. Uh, and then a, a, a strange, I, I don't totally understand this, but they're asking to go into the pigs. Yeah. And then Jesus grants it. It says, okay. Um, well, in, in chapter five, you see three examples of Jesus ministering to what the Jews would call unclean, hmm. unclean people. There's three in a row. Boom, boom, boom. So this one is unclean, first of all, it's demon possession, but also you know that he's in a Gentile region because they're herding pigs. Oh, yeah. So right, right. there you know. Yeah. That's a, that's a tell because no self-respecting Jew is going to have a herd of pigs. Yeah. And the fact that there's 2,000 of them, it says, and he says that he has a legion, which is could be up to 6,000 in a Roman <laughs> legion. Yeah. So it's intense language. Yeah. So really he casts is. them out. They go into the pigs. They drown themselves. Yeah. And, uh, Which is like the behavior he was evoking too, like yeah, that same a, that self-destructive, like evil. Yeah, I don't even. It's amazing, crazy. And my favorite part, though, <laughs> the end of it, the townspeople are afraid and tell him to leave. Yeah, take off, dude. <laughs> he performs. This is weird. This amazing miracle. <laughs> it heals this guy and it freaks him out, and they ask him to leave. Yeah, well, it's cool too. We're gonna see too. There, so that's like a gentile response. That's on the negative, and we're gonna see one later with the girl, the little girl too, where they make fun of him and mock him, mm. which yeah. moves us on to the second unclean person, and that's the woman with the issue of blood. Right, and uh, again, he's in the middle of a crowd, and um, he says, "Who touched me?" Um, I felt power go out. Yeah, I and love it's, that. It's Man. amazing because. You see, I, I was listening to a teaching on this. He was saying how you can see Jesus is working uh, on some level uh, in a human capacity. Mm. Like he wasn't playing a trick. Like who touched me? Like you really didn't know. Yeah, wink, wink. Yeah, like who touched me? I yeah. know. I really know this lady did it. Like, like he was he was living as a as a human. Like what? Yeah. Who just touched me? And. Um, Amazing, he says. Your faith, your faith, your has faith. healed you. Um, Another big motif in Mark: faith versus unbelief. Huge, huge uh, passage. And there's there. so much there too. Like she shouldn't have been near people, according to their, uh, like we just been going through Leviticus and Numbers and their Old yeah. Testament readings. She shouldn't have been anywhere near people. True, yeah. Their cleanliness rules. She was she breaking was, the rules. She was breaking the rules to even be there, and she would have. Um, ritualistically made everyone in that crowd unclean, unclean yeah. that she touched, which is, I forget if it's a day or seven days for that one. Right. It's a big deal. Yeah. And for Jesus to still love on her and minister to him, it's another huge moment in his ministry where he's in contact yeah. with the unclean, unclean, which we'll see later on too yeah. with people with leprosy and everything else. Right. And it ends there with the synagogue leader's daughter. Yeah. Right? And, um, Which is amazing, too, because the lady had an issue of blood for 12 years. And then it will tell us that this girl is 12 years old. 
And Mark's so matter-of-fact. I mm. love it. When I first came back to this church in 2007, I heard your mom, Pastor Katrina, do a message on Mark, and she called it the businessman's gospel. Oh, yeah, Because it's that. just direct, you know? Yeah. And so he's not given any details that aren't intentional. So I think those 12 and 12s are very significant. Yeah. And you think that the 12 tribes of Israel, and these are both... These are both Jewish examples. The pigs guy, mm-hmm. demoniac, mm-hmm. was Gentile region. This is a Jewish region. So that yeah. twelve is very there's like layers, significant layers yeah. of meaning there. And, and that's another them. unclean thing. You can't touch a dead girl. And I I like it too because this is a a synagogue leader. You know, a a, a religious guy. Yeah. And they so, weren't all against. Yeah, him. they can't be. No. This guy actually went to him for help. Yeah. So um, that's kind of good to see. <laughs> Uh, one of one of those guys coming around. Yeah, um, and I love that. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I've always loved that Aramaic saying, where it's more or less says, "Just what is it? Get up, little girl." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tells it him, "Just Jesus seems so asleep. sweet." Yeah, just like just wake up, wake up, little girl. Yeah, love it. And they were made, said they made fun of him. They were mocking him. Yeah, amazing. And and we'll, we'll he gets into more mocking. We'll we'll finish up here we'll go into six yep this is the part i was talking about when he goes to his hometown and uh six three they're saying isn't this the carpenter isn't this mary's son the brother of james joseph judas simon aren't his sisters here with us and they took offense at him Mm -hmm. um i mean that's incredible just the power of of familiarity uh in in like the power in reverse, you know, literally yeah. sucking the power out of the situation by over being over familiar, you know. That's a great way to put it because that's going to inform what he could and couldn't do. Yeah, Just yeah, totally. Shortly after. And, um, I mean, this was for, for, for Jesus. And I always, always think about this in our individual lives, like we, how, how we, our families know us, how we know ourselves. And then how how the father knows us is is still on a whole different level mm. of of our own familiarity with ourselves, you know. Right. And uh, so yeah, so he says he can't do the miracles because of their lack of faith. Um, he's amazed by it. And yeah, and what's amazing to you though, just highlighting his compassion and his his calling. It says he could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So he did nothing. It's not that he did nothing. Yeah. But their unbelief hindered what maybe could have happened mm. yeah. that was happening in other regions. Right, right. Which segues great into the next part where he sends out the 12. Yep. They're teaching town to town, and he sends them out to preach and gives them authority over spirits. Yeah, and Pastor Jeff just talked about this on Sunday in yeah. our Keys to the Kingdom yeah. series, Given how authority. we have that same authority. Kind We've been knighted. Kn- knighted, yep. yeah. Love it. So good, and uh, we end there on a on a rough spot, kind of, uh, which is sandwiched out of nowhere, kind of. I love it. Yeah, it comes almost in passing. They're kind of I forget what it is. They're talking about something else, mm-hmm. and kind of goes into the story. Well, I think for me, he talks about how they should go out and they should go with very little, and live modestly and be content with whatever they're given. And accept the hospitality, and when it's not given, I love it. Shake, shake your feet, shake yeah, the yeah, dust yeah. off your feet. Right, right. And then it goes straight into uh, recalling the fate of John the Baptist. Yeah. But you're going from that 
like like Paul said, where he's learned to be content with anything, and all of a sudden this, the scenery is changing to this like palace setting mm. and this horrible Herod, yeah, and his gluttony and his over extravagance and this crazy story about his wife. Yeah, I, I, the story is really fascinating. I don't to- totally understand it, um, but it's, uh, there's some strange details in it. it it's basically. <laughs> John the Baptist has called Herod out for being with his brother's wife. Which was a no-no for a Jew. You could not marry your brother's wife. And and it actually, Herod doesn't take offense to it. His wife does. Mm-hmm. She gets really mad. Herod's kind of doesn't want to mess with him, it sounds yeah. like. Seems like he's intrigued by him. Yeah. And so his his wife, who is Herodias. Mm-hmm. Um, cool name. Which is... It gets weirder. Has her daughter dance for him, and then he makes a pledge. He'll do anything. Mm-hmm. Another. I, and it says just... that he and the men were pleased, and the dance. It's most likely it was probably a sensual, like suggestive sure. dance, kind of, yeah. just more, just kind of a, what's the right word, decadence. Mm-hmm. This whole palace decadence. And the, I have this little commentary on Mark by Larry Hurtado. He he pointed this out, which blew my mind. Uh, because John was likened to be the prophet Elijah, mm. like uh, that was you know prophesied to to make straight the path and yeah. announce the way before Jesus, and he says that Herod is likened to King Ahab, and that Herodias is likened to Jezebel, wow. to John's Elijah. This is all oh, these parallels to that there. to that same kind of story wow. in the Old Testament, which I That's thought cool. was really cool. That is cool. And then, of course, it ends with a beheading, which is... Yes, on a plate. That's a famous one. On a plate, which is, once again, it kind of lends to that whole decadence of what was going on at that party, almost like it was this gross meal being served. Yeah, that's true. It's just, it's just kind of over the top. It's like the, and right before it, you were seeing the way of Jesus and yeah. his disciples and the way they did things, and then all of a sudden the scenery changes to this... Yeah, it's just kind of icky yeah. story. And then it and then it ends. We'll end here. Thirty two, actually. This last one, it goes into another story, but I I like and I like ending here. So mm-hmm. the disciples come back and they're reporting their mission, and uh, Jesus wants to take them to a solitary place to rest. At least that's that's what I have there in thirty two. So so we'll rest there. Yeah. After. All of that, we covered a lot of ground today, Um, just uh, amazing stuff, and I love all these parallels and and, and, um, cross-references going on here, Um, and thankfully we were ending on a place of rest for a moment here. (laughs) Yeah. After after poor John's uh, end there, so... Uh, anything else there, Todd? Um, did we miss anything? No. I think okay. So thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, keep following us here at the LifePoint uh, Table Talk. Uh, we'll be coming in next week with uh, Week 9. And uh, continue with our reading. Check out our app, the LifePoint app, LifePoint yeah. Church app. Go to Bible tab and hit on that word plan and just jump in. Don't have to catch up. Just jump in with us right where we are. Yep. And uh, follow the podcast. Keep tuning in. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.